When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. I am about to speak to John Rubenstein. He has been on stages more often than Shakespeare. He's got Tonys. He's got everything. He is now about to be opening in a play about Dwight David Eisenhower. Tell me. Tell me what's the name of the show. Tell me about it. It's called... Eisenhower, This Piece of Ground, and it's uh, a new play, one-man show, written by Richard Hellison, a wonderful playwright, and directed by Peter Ellenstein. We um, have been working on it for over two years now, and we performed it at two different theaters out in Los Angeles last fall and winter. And now we're extremely happy to be bringing it to uh, New York, off-Broadway. What, what did you change if you've been tra- trying it out for two years? What did, what did you alter? Well, we haven't been trying it out. We've been working on it. We've been honing it. it change, you know, uh, took some bits out that, that seemed maybe a little bit too, too long and then shortened other things and changed language here and there. But the play is still essentially what it what it always has been it's a brilliant piece of writing okay when and where is it opening here we have our first preview on june 13th at the theater at st clements which is on 46th street it's 423 west 46th street right in the theater district there and then we open on june 20th and have a limited engagement through july 30th tell me about Dwight David Eisenhower. He served two terms. Just tell me briefly about him, his history. Well, you know, uh, he was the great uh, uh, five-star general who commanded the invasion of Europe in uh, in 1944, commanded D-Day, and basically beat Hitler and the Germans. He was the one who uh, walked through the... Uh, concentration camps and realized what had been done and had it all filmed by by the U.S. Army. Then he came back to the United States. He was president of Columbia University, and then he was the first commander of NATO when it was first created. And then he ran for president in 1952. He was elected and then followed one of the, you know, uh, most peaceful and prosperous periods of American history, but Eisenhower is often sort of forgotten or, or taken for granted. Yeah, yeah, Ike, he, was, he, he loved to play golf. He was sort of old and bald, and he was like grandpa or something, and everybody liked him, and I like Ike, and, and that's it. But it oh. turns out that he really accomplished a great, great deal. Okay, we had FDR, we had Reagan, we had LBJ, we've had George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, you name them. But why specifically? I I don't argue with you. I understand. But tell us why specifically Eisenhower. 
mostly because of his character. He was a man for whom being a good person and caring for the people you were responsible for, whether it was the soldiers he sent to war or the citizens of the United States, was utmost in his mind. So he was, he was a moderate. He ran as a Republican, although he had never chosen a party before that, uh, simply because he had to beat Robert Taft uh, for the uh, nomination, who was an isolationist. And he believed that America had to come up to its best character and show who it was to the world and to themselves. And he created the uh, Department of uh, Health. You know, he, he was a tremendous president, got a lot done, prevented you know, a nuclear war fought against the, the military industrial uh, establishment, which wanted to take so much money as they still do. And he was one of the last presidents that we ever heard who spoke from his heart and meant what he said and cared about the people he was. He was. Uh, OK, I know I've been told that you actually met Eisenhower. You knew him. Is that so? Well, no, I wouldn't ever say I, I knew him. I was a very little boy, and my father uh, and mother were invited to the White House by his chief of staff, Sherman Adams, uh, when, he, when my dad was playing a concert in Washington, D.C. And I, I was along for the trip, and they took me to the White House, and uh, I came up to him and said, well, hello there, and shook my hand and was very, uh, very friendly, but that was, that was the extent of it. But still, you know, I'll never forget it. So would that be maybe partly of why you were pro Eisenhower instead of maybe 40 other presidents? Well, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily, I'm, you know, I'm a very uh, uh, left wing kind of guy. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm well, a, oh, I, oh. I, I, vote, I vote Democratic all the time. Um, and I wasn't voting uh, in those days. And I, I don't know whom I would have voted for because I wasn't reading the papers very much. But, uh, no, I, I admire Eisenhower because of uh, what he accomplished and who he was. And if you compare him to so many, even of some of the presidents that you uh, just mentioned, that I, in fact, voted for once I was old enough, um, he surges ahead and above of those presidents because uh, because of his character and because how much he took seriously the job that he was doing. It wasn't okay, about... Okay, I need his... to have an anecdote. I have to understand. Did you, First of all, how did you get all of this material together? From his background, from his writings, what? Well, mind you, I didn't write this play. I know that, I, I know that. But where did it all, all the information come from? It came from many books that have been written about him, one in particular by his granddaughter, Catherine Eisenhower, called How Ike Led. Very, very interesting book, getting into his, his motivation, what, what was underneath uh, his, his, uh, his character. And there was a time that I actually remember in 1962 when the New York Times came out with a list of a ranking of all of the presidents up to then. Uh, Ike was just out of office a year and a half. And he came out as number 22 out of 35. And he was very upset and hurt and surprised at that. And that's where our play takes off. 
him reading that in the New York Times magazine and saying, what? <laughs> How could that be? And that prompted him to start recording into a tape recorder uh, his, his uh, answer to that okay. ranking. Give, give me a scene. What was his boyhood like in Kansas growing up? We never knew really what that was like. Well, it, his his father was a, a you know a man who who had a, a general store, and uh, his partner stole all of his money and ran away with it at a time when there was a drought. Uh, so they were very poor. They moved to Texas where he got a job as a railroad engineer, and uh, Ike was born in Texas. Then they moved back to Kansas. There were six sons. And they all did well. And their mother was very religious. She was a Jehovah's Witness. And she taught them this sort of morality and strength of character. And the father had a tremendous temper, which Eisenhower, uh, you know, inherited. And uh, they grew up poor. He only, he had no idea to have a military career. But he learned that if he could get into one of the military academies, he could have a college education and, and not cost his father a dime. And that's what he did. And once in the military, he took that oath at West Point and uh, it changed him. It changed his life. And he started going up those ranks until finally uh, Franklin Roosevelt uh, uh, assigned him the the uh, the head of the uh, operations in Europe during World War Two. OK, John. Do you actually mention the fact that he had a long time, although he was married, affair with his driver in during the war? Well, um, that affair doesn't really come up in our play because it wasn't <laughs> yeah, necessarily sure. an affair. Yeah. Well, no, because he he denies it, and uh, other people say it happened. She wrote a book saying it did happen, but the thing is that we it, it's not what our play is about. And if the moment you mention that, then you have Eisenhower standing there because I play him. I'm him. It's not like talking about him. If you talk about him, you can say anything you want. But if it's him, he's not going to start recording into his tape recorder about that particular situation. He does mention uh, whatever difficulties I may have had along the way with Mamie. Uh, she could not have done any of what I did without her. So he remained loyal and faithful and true to, to Mamie all his life. But Okay, so you guys were actually chicken. You were chicken. You never mentioned all of no, this. No, 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 that's absolutely not true. <laughs> you know, if you write a play, and especially a one-man play, it's just one guy standing there talking and being Eisenhower, you can't say everything about a, a, a great, famous man's life. You can't. And if you go on to those side roads, suddenly the play, you got to have another 20 minutes. It has to last two or three hours. And that's okay, unwieldy. Okay. Now, not, tell not me if you, yeah. how, do, how do you do a one-man play? Do you change clothes? Do you go behind scenery um, because he went from civilian clothes to military? How how do you do all of that? No, uh, our play takes place during one uh, early afternoon in the summer uh, in Gettysburg. After he has been president, he's retired. And that's when that article in the New York Times magazine came out. 
He'd been out of office for a year and a half. Young Kennedy was president, and uh, and he sees that he is ranked low, and he has a tape recorder, which he's been recording, writing a book, a book about his presidency with his editor. And he talks to him on the phone, and then he turns on the tape recorder as if he was talking to those 75 historians put together by Arthur Schlesinger. And he tries to talk to them. How could you make me be number 22 when here are all the things that, that I did? And he talks, therefore, about his father and his mother and his brothers and about uh, you know the war and then about his presidency. And, and by the end of the play, he has evolved. He has come to a realization about what greatness means and what the rankings really are about. And uh, that, that's, uh, that's what we do. So I wear one costume throughout because it all takes place in one afternoon. I know you have Tonys. I know you're, you're a very high-class actor. I understand that. But can you tell me, <laughs> what, what was it like when you had to work on the beginning of civil rights? Wasn't he at the beginning of civil rights? Yes, he was. He was the one who brought the 101st Airborne, the same division that, that had led the way on, uh, uh, in Normandy. He brought them into Little Rock, Arkansas, to allow the young black children to go to uh, the Central High School there because Governor Orville Faubus was trying to keep them out, and he had the Arkansas National Guard preventing those little kids from going to school. And that Led to Brown versus the board, and uh, and started the integration of schools across America. Do you change scenery? No, none at all. It all takes place in his home uh, in Gettysburg, where he and Mamie lived uh, during his retirement. How did he get through hellish times? Was there something that you learned that you can give us? so we can get through our own hellish times? Well, I, I think the thing that guided him was that morality. It wasn't religiousness, because he wasn't raised in any kind of church. Um, but it was sticking to what you know is right, no matter the consequences, as opposed to going with the flow and being subject to whatever, either bribery or uh, other kinds of, of money or, or just fame and power, none of those matter. What matters is doing the best job you can, whatever the job is. And if it's a lowly job, you do that lowly job as well as you can. And if, it's, and if the big responsibility of, of the world and of the country is on your shoulders, then you do that job as well as you can and with all of your heart and all of your sincerity and all of your humility. And that's something well, that we don't hear from almost any politician nowadays, ever. Well, from a left-winger, you're doing a great job on a good right-winger guy. I can't wait well, to see no this. Winger. No, he was not. Well, what was he then? He was a moderate. He, his phrase was the middle way. And okay. he, was, he was hated by the right wing of the Republican Party. They thought he wasn't doing enough. And the left wing was sad about him, too, because he was, you know, too much in the middle. 
But his phrase was, the middle is the usable part of the road. If you steer too far to the right or the left, you end up in a ditch. So he was not a right winger. That, that would be a false, uh, you know, uh, label for him. So when does it open? When do you open? We open on June 20th at the Theater St. Clements. It's an off-Broadway theater, but it's right up there in the Broadway Theater District on Restaurant Row. This is a wonderful play. It inspires people, people on the left, people on the right, young people who barely knew who Eisenhower was, old people who remember the Eisenhower years. It inspires them. I've watched their faces after performances, and it it makes me just uh, so eager to get to that theater and share this play. Thank you, John. You sound wonderful. You're sounding Uh, almost better than Dwight David Eisenhower. Thank you, honey. (laughs) Thank you for getting on with us. Thank you. Lovely talking to you. Okay. Bye, honey.